This is the Movie Hall of Fame Class of Bombach for yeah. Thursday, December 12, 2019. Mm-hmm. First uh, director's category we've done, I think. Yeah. And I think the first exclusively Nico category we've ever done. Pretty fucking exclusive. There's- I appreciate you, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, the fact that I actually put in the hard work to watch all of your shitty movies. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I understand that this could have been a painful process for you. I don't know if it was. We'll get to it, I suppose. Mm. Um, but you really indulged me in a in a sweet and tender way this week, and I and I do appreciate it. Given that it's the holiday season, your spirit of giving has not been overlooked. Yeah, watch me not give you anything on our Why Is This a Thing podcast. The gift bag is nothing from me now yeah <laughs> you've emptied it out. yeah that's it right this that, is it this is a good enough present <laughs> i i am eternally grateful that you uh watched five noah bombach movies this week mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to talk about them in detail yeah yeah i did not re-watch the meyerwitz stories though okay but that's fine that's fine you know i know it well enough once you see it once i think you're pretty much good yeah however i did re-watch some scenes from it did you yeah just okay. today as a matter of fact we'll talk I've seen De Palma so many times I didn't need to rewatch it. Okay. Um, I have a lot of things to get to, so let's just get to yep. it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, this is, I'm calling an audible here because there was an article that was uh, published in the New York Times today. Okay. And it triggered me. And so now I'm going to read for you All right. an excerpt from the article uh, about Star Wars. There's a story uh, in the Times about Star Wars. Okay. So <laughs> here's a quote from J.J. Abrams, <laughs> who was asked about Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. Oh, are we... Come on. We're doing this. Because <sighs> I was triggered this morning, and I have to get this off my chest. Uh, Abrams praised The Last Jedi for being, quote, full of surprises and subversion and all sorts of bold choices. On the other hand, he added, it's a bit of a meta approach to the story. I don't think that people go to Star Wars to be told, quote, this doesn't matter. Even so, Abrams said The Last Jedi laid the groundwork for The Rise of Skywalker and a story that I think needed a pendulum swing in one direction in order to swing in the other. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Ryan Johnson is a better man than you and I. Because <laughs> if I fucking woke up this morning, yeah. made myself a cup of coffee, unspooled the morning paper... And read this fucking bullshit in the Times, throwing me under the bus. You know, if I was Ryan Johnson, I'm done with my standalone Star Wars series. I'm done. I'm out. I cannot believe how this godforsaken franchise, Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, Bob Iger, everyone involved at Lucasfilm had the gall to throw him under the bus like this. It's ridiculous. I know, I know. And you know, like, from his perspective, that he, he knows exactly that that's what it is. He's like, this is the, the most polite way of saying, I fucking hate you, Ryan Johnson, essentially. Here's what Daisley Ridley also said in the piece. Oh, no. But when it was announced that Abrams was indeed returning, his actors breathed sighs of relief. What? I cried, Ridley said. Explaining the director brought a comforting sense of structure and security. Boyega said he was glad that Abrams would get to finish the tale he'd begun in episode seven. Quote, even as a normal person in the audience, I wanted to see where that story was going. Boyega said. Hmm. Uh, Fuck these guys, uh, dude. Nico, I'm sorry, but everybody, everybody hates The Last Jedi. What? 
Even the, even the fucking people who made it. What is this? I don't know. I'm going to boycott episode nine because of this. I feel so... Just to stand in solidarity with Ryan Johnson here, mm-hmm. who was shown no respect for making, in my opinion, the best installment of the last four or five Star Wars movies. Yeah, you're correct. I mean... Maybe in give it ten years, the movie will have sort of uh, a greater appreciation. But I, I, I'm kind of shocked and frustrated by the fact that this fire has not really died down. As no. soon as as soon as you bring it up, people explode. I know they still have it bottled up. They want to get more shit off their chest. I mean, and, and I saw it on Twitter today. There was a big reaction to this piece on Twitter. Uh, people certainly have thoughts. About, you know what? I'm so cynical about this whole thing. I'm just sick of Star Wars now. <sighs> I can't believe they did this to me, but I'm now sick of Star Wars. I'm it, worn out. It, it took no time at all. I'm so I'm upset too because I I'm, I I don't know. Like I've the more news that comes out, the more I'm kind of like you know I do do I want to rush out to see Episode Nine? I don't know. I don't a friend know. of mine just asked me yesterday, "Do you want to pre-order tickets?" And I go, "I guess." I didn't even think about it. Five years ago or you whenever, what was it? Four years ago that Episode Seven came like, out. Yeah, yeah. I pre-ordered them in like early November. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And now I'm like, oh yeah, that movie comes out in nine days. Mm-hmm. <sighs> this is the problem with, I, I, I guess the the media culture surrounding Star Wars is that it's just it's like horrifying. It's a it's a bunch of bullshit, and I'm it's it's tainted a lot of my experience because we're so aware of what's going on with these movies, and it's gotten so messy that I don't know. I just it's a lot. There's a lot of ill will going all over the place, and it just makes it hard to enjoy them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also like. Man, or whatever. Star Wars doesn't owe you anything. No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Star Wars owes you nothing. No. Get over yourselves. Yeah. But they won't, Nico. They don't go to a Star Wars movie to be told what's not true. Oh, my God. Are you fucking kidding it's me? A fucking movie. Get dude. over yourself, J.J. Abrams. It's a movie about space wizards. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and then John Boyega. I wanted to see him conclude that story. You mean the story that he remade from 40 years ago? Oh, no way. That story? You mean the exact same story that was told Ugh. in the 70s? This makes it even worse because you know it's just going to retread uh, Return of the Jedi now. Yes. I mean, that, that Emperor thing. Like, I th- I thought, like... Shameless. I, yeah. Uh, it's bad, man. All right, I'm done. It's in a bad state. That's off my chest now. I'm going to ignore it because getting offended is not fun. I recommend that you don't get offended, everyone. Yes. And I was offended this morning, and that's not a good place to be. It, you know, it makes it so we can't have nice things. So, right. good job. Uh, National Film Registry just inducted 25 Oh, I didn't know this. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, I'll give you some. I won't read the whole list, but Amadeus. Good. Surprise that wasn't on already. Uh, Clerks. Really? Which we just discussed, oh, 1994. Cool. Good for you, Kevin Smith. Yep. Coal Miner's Daughter gets in from 1980. Fog of War from 2003. Hmm. Uh, the Last Waltz. Really? Makes it in. Ooh, nice. 1978. Platoon. Also, how wow. is that not on yet? Really? 1986. Cool. Sleeping Beauty from 1959. She's Got to Have It, the first Spike Lee movie, 1986. And uh, I was very happy about this one. Purple Rain. Really? 1984. Whoa, that's okay. In the National Film Registry. I, I mean, fine. All right. All right. Cool. So good job by you, National Film Registry. Even though I think we do it better on this podcast. We do. That's just my opinion. One day they'll, they'll look to us. The National Film Registry will be looking up and, and just crying at how far they've fallen. <laughs> As the movie Hall of Fame, <laughs> we, uh, d- we done good. Replaces it, yeah. Um, okay, let's talk Bombuck. Oh, okay. The reason we're talking Noah Bombuck is because he has a new movie. 
It just came out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're really spoiled by these Netflix movies, by the way. Now we are. Oh, this is not good. Yeah. This is, I, I have no desire to ever go to a movie theater again <laughs> after these last two weeks. Because, <laughs> like, the two biggest movies on the planet were just right on my TV. Well, it's different. I mean, with my experience with uh, Marriage Story, it doesn't bother me that much that it was on Netflix. I still would have rather had seen The Irishman. Uh, in the theater yeah just, just the nature of that movie i'm like it just doesn't work as well for me although i still enjoyed my time with it i, I still think uh it would have been a little more fulfilling had i been there in the theater right I don't know. and it, and like without a pause button yeah exactly had the movie forced you to sit there and mm-hmm. enjoy it and yeah. immerse yourself in it yeah. i want the movie to force me to sit there yeah i mean that though as weird <laughs> as that sounds <laughs> right yeah no i get it I, I just am so spoiled because it's going to be the weekend in three days and there won't be a new no. Best Picture nominated movie <laughs> well, now, at home. Well, now you go and see Knives Out. So. Yeah, I got to go do it. You haven't done it yet, have you? Not yet. No. Oh, no. We should do that maybe this, this week. Uh, there's a few movies I'm still trying to get off. What of if those, when so. Star Wars comes out, we go see Knives Out instead? <laughs> Ooh, we see it that night. Great. In fuck solidarity. You. That's a great fuck you. <laughs> oh, I love that idea. That's a beautiful idea. I'm in. Okay, yeah, I'm down to it. All right, and I'll, right, and I'll wear a Ryan Johnson t-shirt or something. <laughs> yep. yep. Release the Johnson cut. Uh, <laughs> Release the Johnson cut. <laughs> so what I want to do here is talk marriage story, and then we're going to go back through the career of Noah Baumbach and induct one of these five movies into the Movie Hall of Fame. They are Kicking and Screaming, The Squid and the Whale, Francis Ha, De Palma, and The Meyerowitz Stories. You ordered those in release date, didn't you? I did indeed. Mm-hmm. Nifty, huh? Nifty. Nifty idea. You think you're so smart, but then I'm sitting here. Yeah. I know all your tricks. <sighs> I think you're such a hot shot director. <laughs> I was just a part of his aliveness. All right, let's talk. <laughs> Marriage story. Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Laura Dern, Alan Alda, Ray Liotta. In a great cameo, by the way. Yeah. I mean, that's a little more than a cameo. He's yeah. Got, he's got a bigger part than he's that. He's got two scenes, right? But I didn't. I had no idea he was in the movie. Oh, he's great. And he's really good. Yeah. If we start from a place of crazy <laughs> and we start from the place of reasonable. Ray, always be up here. <laughs> for, for every line you deliver. I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> Karen! <laughs> he was fantastic. Yeah. Um... So I'm going to let you talk about this movie, and then I'll talk about it, because I have a soliloquy, of course. But oh, okay. Ahead. okay. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I watched this uh, just kind of one night all by myself, and it was, uh, whoa, whoa, this this movie was a hell of an experience, man. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an emotional uh, roller coaster, to say the least. Um, it's uh, not, not exactly, I wouldn't, I mean... It's hard to call it like a it's not really a plot heavy film. It's just kind of exploring the the process of these this couple uh, slowly breaking up and going through a divorce and illustrating that uh, quite personally, personally, and also quite specifically. Mm, yeah. And like the legal process, what it's like to be in a courtroom during a divorce hearing, but then to not be in the courtrooms. Right. And that- but also like signing checks to your lawyer and having to find a lawyer within 30 days and like. It's very technical and clearly was written by someone who went through a divorce himself. Yeah, yeah. well, that's the thing. It just feels like like the the 
the horror of finding out new information about what it t- what actually goes into a divorce mm. is a lot of the movie just uh, uh, Adam Driver responding to the fact that he has to pay for her her lawyer in, right. in some and just being like wait what I have to do this and I have to do that and it just becomes a, a messy nightmare uh, and uh, Adam Driver is oh my god. <laughs> The shorthand is that this movie is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and uh, and that it's it's a contender for the best film I've seen this year. Yeah, certainly. Uh, it's it's one of the best films I've ever seen. Whoa, okay. <laughs> I fucking love this. Movie. Oh my god, <laughs> I fucking love. I wasn't this. ready for this. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> fucking love this. Oxygen, movie. <laughs> give me some oxygen. It's fan- it's fantastic. Holy cow, <laughs> it's excellent. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh... We might be here a while then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know how you can not give Adam Driver the Oscar this year. I don't know how that's possible. Mm, I think Joaquin I, is awesome as the Joker. Um, and I think Leo DiCaprio is really, really good in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, this is a performance that I have not seen in a very long time. Yep. Because you don't really see a lot of performances like this anymore. Um, a dude... That is both uh, very powerful and uh, plays it big at times, mm-hmm. and it's a pronounced dominant performance. It's not quiet and subtle in any way, but is not afraid to just, like, he's not afraid to look like a schlub in this movie. No, I, I was going to say, I think it's fairly nuanced, in my opinion. I wouldn't call it, like, like big or showy, necessarily. It has its moments where it kind of has to be big and showy, but... There's a surprising amount of, of nuance and, and, and humanity, humanity to this character where, I, I don't know, in a lot of ways that I didn't expect. And a lot of that is just because a lot of scenes don't necessarily revolve around him just dealing with the divorce. It, it could just be him going to Halloween with his son. Right. And what that does for him because his son's not quite there and how much that, that just destroys him as a person. Yeah. Or just the stress of having to to, to take care of his son while that that uh that what the hell was her role? The girl who watches over the family dynamic. Oh, this I guess supervisor. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and, and how like he's not like necessarily freaking out the whole time, but you can just see that he's constantly anxious. Well, the thing with the knife is just both <laughs> hysterical and, and devastating at yeah, the same time. Exactly. Yeah, but oh, you can just it. envision yourself in that moment, and it's like I would not be able to keep this together the way he's keeping it together right now. No. Uh, yeah. I, one of the things that I'm just amazed by when it comes to this guy and. I don't want to talk too much more Star Wars, but the reason why he is the best part of the new Star Wars movies and the reason why Kylo Ren is such an incredible villain is that he's kind of just a a a loser kid in that movie. Yeah. He's kind of just like a a schlubby brat, angsty, spoiled brat. Mm -hmm. And for a guy that is certainly a leading man, has all the qualities of a leading man, not a traditional leading man. I mean, he's no. kind of tall and lanky and weird looking. That's the thing. He's just, he's a strange figure, but that's oddly very, very, very charming. And it's like, you, you can't really take your eyes off of Adam driver. It's right. Like, it's this weird magnetic presence that I've never seen before. Right. You know, I don't know what, how to describe He's just it. not afraid to look like a loser. Yeah. He's not afraid to look weak and somehow his weakness is his strength, you know, like (laughs) I I find it more compelling. For example, the fight scene, which has been memed on Twitter for the last seven, which by the way, settle down fucking Twitter. Like this is an incredible movie and that's the best scene in the movie. And I cried like three times during that scene. And that is not material to just be joking about on social media. But anyway, uh, like most leading men, if George Clooney's in that role, 
I don't think he plays it quite the same way. No. Where he both like explodes and tries to assert his dominance, but then at the end just totally breaks down and Scarlett Johansson ends up being his anchor in that scene. Mm. Like he's not afraid to just look like a loser and a bum and weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, this movie has so many different dimensions to it and his performance is flooring. And yeah. so if he doesn't win the Oscar, I mean, I don't know what we're doing here. No, I know. I mean, it's by far, I think the best performance I've seen this year. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I mean, there are the obvious scenes like that, that, that just tell you, okay, this is, this is next level stuff. But you know, I, I'm serious. Even, even when he's just like in his home and, and, and being served and the way he reacts to that, yep. it's both like really devastating. What's and, the pie about? And funny. <laughs> exactly. Get a pie. You should start a pie. Why was there a pie? <laughs> is that part of it? <laughs> is that part of it? Yep. <laughs> I love the writing too. Yeah. Uh, but I like, I, it's so, it's such a complicated performance. I don't know how you manage something like this. I think that's the real feat is that what you have to put yourself through to make it work and be believable and especially in scenes like that i'm just i'm just i'm i'm floored just trying to analyze it but it's just incredible what he's able to do uh and yeah it's the first time in a long time that i've cried during a movie oh word Mm, yeah when'd you cry the the ending when he's reading uh the the thing that his wife's supposed to read to him yeah that'll do it yeah i'm like oh god i said because I was I was telling Abby because uh, she was watching it the other night and she, I was just like yeah I, I cried at the end and she's like oh my god you cried during a movie and I'm yeah. like yeah and she's like what part and I'm like oh you'll you'll see when he's he's I'm like in quotes reading something to his son yeah and then she gets to that part and then she sends me like multiple crying emojis <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that'll def- I cried three times uh, I cried first during the fight when he goes I'm sorry mm-hmm. at the end of it um, and then I cried. And that scene as well, and and believe it or not, I cried during the Sondheim number. Oh my god, that's, I actually cried. During it's that. fantastic. He's yeah. so good. Oh, but, I don't know how that scene worked for me because I fucking hate show tunes. And yeah, I, I don't know. know much about Stephen Sondheim. The song is great though. Mm-hmm. Being alive, I guess it's from his show Company. Yeah. Um, it, I, I'm not you know a Broadway guy at all. Mm. So for a guy that's not a Broadway guy. Uh, to watch a character sing a show tune for four minutes and mm-hmm. to just be in tears by the end of it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this movie is really working on some levels I didn't think it could work on. Yeah, I know. And what a great choice, too. Yeah. Just having him get up there and just expressing himself in kind of like the only way he knows how to at this point. It's like, I don't know what else to do. I need to like get, get this out of me. Right. I love that that same idea with the, the fight scene because I, I sort of got the impression that they didn't necessarily – mean everything that they were saying to each other yeah it's just a sense of like they're they're, it's more just raw anger at each other also i'm looking to cause pain yeah like exactly just the fact that this is happening at all i'm just gonna let loose on you for for it in general because i mean we i I can't go go on without doing it at some point right and that's why he apologizes at one point because he real he realizes oh that this was a bad thing to do i don't really mean everything i just said i'm just so fucking mad Mm. yeah that scene is amazing. Like you see that scene, and it's like, oh, this is going to be played during the Oscar reel. Yeah, like, no, that's what I, I I knew instantaneously. It's like this is what Nico was talking about yeah. <laughs> when you talked about like, oh yeah, this is his Oscar reel. He's he, oh my god, yeah, he's he's uh, he's so so good. I can't I can't par- properly express how good he is. I do not want to sell Scarlett Johansson short. By the way, she's fa- pretty fantastic. She is really good. Yeah, I know it's his movie in a lot of ways. Although, like the first half of it has a lot of her in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the single take with her and Laura Dern in the office is just amazing. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's re- like the way that she inhabits this character. It, it, she plays it so in command and in mm-hmm. control. Mm-hmm. The little detail of just her getting up from the couch 
and walking to the bathroom, you know, getting a stick of gum and just like sort of fidgeting around. Like she's the type of character and you could tell because she's this famous actress. She's the type of character that is comfortable getting up mid conversation and leaving the room. And that's like a really subtle thing. You don't see that a lot in movies. Normally you see two characters in extreme close up going at it. And uh, the way that scene is choreographed and acted is just spectacular. Well, She's really good in it. I love that 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 uh I don't I don't know if it was Scarlett Johansson's choice to do that, but the choice just make I mean it's a very like real moment where it's like you're not necessarily looking to like you're almost afraid to to say these things. Like I've I've been in situations where I've had to like like tell someone something and then I kind of pace around or I, or I walk away from them as I'm talking and then I kind of loop back around because I, I I you know gain the courage to actually say what I want to say yes because that's what it felt like to me she's like well I gotta I gotta you know delve into this but it's a lot it's a lot for me to handle so I, I'm just gonna you know try my best to coax my way into it and it's like so believable yeah and yeah it's it's so like like. Again, like not not a lot of things movies usually do. Like you said, it's 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 pretty unconventional. But I don't know. It's like the perfect choice. Could this pull off the sweep at the Oscars? I don't know. Maybe. I think it's got the best chance of any movie. I don't know Pro- if it could, but I mean, it's because uh, ones- he's definitely going to win. He better win. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he better fucking win. Apparently, Laura Dern is definitely going to win too for supporting. Support. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She's good in the movie. I mean, I would have given her 10 Oscars by now. So this yeah. is kind of... She know. hasn't gotten an Oscar, has she? No. Yeah, that's too bad. I mean, she does this role in her sleep. All I right. mean, I liked Leota actually a lot more. I thought Leota really? was just such a revelation. <laughs> He's great. He d- I don't know if he has the same type of presence that Laura Dern has. Yeah. Where it's well, like, she's a better actor than he is. Yeah. But I was watching her. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this out of Laura Dern, in, at least in a long, long time. So yeah. great. Yeah. Whether or not it's going to sweep, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's actually not my my number one film of the year. I don't think it's mine either, but it's pretty yeah. damn close. Yeah, because uh, I, I when I say it's like the best film I've uh, one of the better films I've ever seen. It's certainly one of the better movies like of its kind. Oh, well, I'm, there's not a lot of divorce movies. Well, that, the that's thing, right? that's when we're covering a few. The only other one is um 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 Jesus Kramer versus Kramer, Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah. Right. Well, this play this movie goes to places Kramer versus Kramer does not have the balls to go to. That's the thing. Like I was thinking about, I was like, do I like this more than Kramer versus Kramer? That's a close call. But it's this movie's fantastic different era obviously i know when did it come out 75 kramer i think i think so we talked about it we didn't put it in no i think we might have put alien in over that um 79 then oh okay yeah all right exactly yeah 79 um dustin hoffman is the hero of that movie and meryl streep is a villain and i think like in hindsight we view her character as more sympathetic Mm -hmm. but it's clearly from Dustin Hoffman's point of view. This movie doesn't really take a side. No. It kind of just lets you hang out with these people in sometimes horrible moments and sometimes really tender moments. Mm-hmm. And you're not supposed to take a side. I think it, there are several lines in the movie that are like, yeah, it's no one's fault. The marriage just ended because we probably shouldn't have been together to begin with. Yep. Uh, so it's a lot more nuanced, but that's just because it was made 40 years after Kramer okay. versus Kramer. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I feel like you do naturally kind of take a side though. I certainly, I mean, it, it's honestly, it is, it, even though it's not forcing you to take a side, it, it's very difficult to not sympathize with Adam Driver, I think, just a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I the mean, movie's more 
with him. Yeah, that's the thing. The focus is more on him. So I guess that that's sort of by nature, that's what it does. I think the best movie to balance those two was Blue Valentine. Okay. Which is not about a divorce, but it's about a, it's about a, a breakup more than anything. And similarly, it's just a crushing, devastating movie. But that movie, that movie doesn't even show you the specifics of why the the the, the relationship is 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 over. It just you, it's just sort of like a feeling thing. Yes, it just kind of happens, and you don't fully understand why. But that's just the nature of these uh, sort of toxic relationships. Sometimes. How about Midsummer? Did that make <laughs> what, you take a side, or what? Did that make? You... <laughs> <laughs> well, I jump back and forth on that one. <laughs> Who'd you feel for more? Well, sometimes. Well, at first I'm like, you know, I feel really bad for Danny, and then this guy is running around naked and <laughs> forcing uh, sex upon other girls, and um, and then you're like, for... yeah, rot in that bear suit. I'm not sure I wanted him to burn alive in a bear suit, you know? I felt kind of bad for him. Just a little bit. I, I was not reveling in it the same way Danny kind of does in the end. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that you know the character names. I Well, it's... Hey, Midsummer's very high on my list, by the way. Oh, I know. Very high I'm, on my I'm list. I'm ready for it. Don't that, you worry. That, that's, a move, that's, that's a great hangout movie. <laughs> if you want to just chill out and have a great time. Yeah, uh... <laughs> We will be talking more Marriage Story as the weeks go on. Yes. I think we're going to be talking about it till mid-February, I would guess. Yep, yep. Um, so It's very high on my list, and it ain't going anywhere. There you go. Yep. Uh, I've already like rewatched a bunch of scenes, yep. too. Like, I've, it's just that type of movie. Thank God it's on Netflix. It's great. Good on you, Netflix. You know, we've given them a lot of shit. Over the last couple of years. We have. Well, this has been a good year. Like, the, I've realized that the first half of this year, I think, was abysmal. Could be the worst half year of the decade, I think. But then it becomes, like, the the best other half. Yes. <laughs> this is a really weird black and white year. Very polarizing, yeah. yeah. I, I remember we were talking about it in, like, May. We're like, holy shit, there isn't anything. No, yeah, it sucked. I was like, is this is, like, this is the death of cinema like a section right here right and now all of a sudden we got fucking irishman parasite marriage story the nightingale fucking midsummer i mean apparently knives out once upon a time in hollywood even though i don't absolutely love that movie it's a nice auteur piece and it's you know it's nice to see it, it, it yeah right uncut gems is coming. uncut gems 1917 is yeah, coming yeah. it's like holy crap yeah am i missing some now i gotta look at my of list. course you are what am i missing yeah star wars <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Oh, uh, yeah. And then uh, Under the Silver Lake. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> All right. Let's talk Noah Baumbach. All right. Let's do it. Um, okay. Here's what I want to say, mm. because I, I think you have said this many times. Noah Baumbach is the most Nico director yeah. there is. And I was trying to figure out why. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of pondering this week. And I uh, couldn't help but think about you and I. Okay. Because this podcast, as much as it's about movies, is a very personal exploration of our two tastes. Yeah. I would say more than most movie podcasts I listen to. Which is why I like this podcast. Yeah. It's interesting. It's nice to reflect this way. Yeah. Uh, we end up talking about ourselves a shit ton. Um, and <laughs> Jesus. You know, I was thinking about what you value in movies, and I was thinking about what I value in movies, and like why we differ in such a way. And uh, we ended up having this conversation a couple months ago on the other show. Where you said some of these old 70s monster movies speak to you because it's something you could make in your backyard, mm-hmm. right? And it, there's a DIY quality to it, and there's an inventiveness and a charm and a, and a, a creative energy yeah. to it. But you have to, you have to also express the fact that that doesn't mean I exclude my feelings on characters or good writing or good storytelling and that kind of thing. Certainly, and that's not what I mean to highlight. Yeah. Um, 
and you also say this phrase all the time, mm-hmm. which is cinema gives you this giant canvas, so paint on it. Mm-hmm. You have a canvas to paint, use the medium to the best of your ability. That's why you love Mad Max Fury Road so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, here's what I realized about you and I. Uh, you are more creative than me. <laughs> you are way... <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> you are so much more creative than me. Okay. And that's a compliment thank you certainly uh i'm not creative (laughs) (laughs) that's not true no it is true just go with me for a second uh i'm not creative what i am is observant and that's i think different right Mm -hmm. and that i think is the distinct difference Mm -hmm. there are two types of filmmakers in the world well there are three types there are bad ones that's number one there are innovators and there are observers you have people like george miller george lucas Steven Spielberg, uh, they paint with a broad brush, mm-hmm. right? I would they, probably throw Tarantino on there. Sure, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Sure, Tarantino as well. They're innovative, they think differently, they're outside the box, and they aim to create. That's awesome. Uh, then you have people like Noah Baumbach, but you also have people like, uh, to a certain extent, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, yeah, I would Who only makes, you know, a, a, cert- a specific type of movie. Uh, you have Richard Linklater, Richard Linklater for sure. I hesitate to put Wes Anderson in there, but he's kind of in that field a little bit of both with his story. Well, I would say in, in both in terms of he, his stories, and we're going to get to an interesting discussion with, with one of these movies. Yes. Uh, but I, I would say with his, his, uh, the things he's interested in, in his movies, but not the filmmaking. Right. Filmmaking is very different. Yeah. Uh, certainly uh, These are the types of guys That uh, don't think Too far outside the box Barry Jenkins Is another one Yeah just Moonlight, right? Uh, Greta Gerwig of course mm-hmm. um, They just sit down And they look around the world With a notepad And they think What is happening And why is it happening um, That shit works for me Because that's the way I approach the world mm-hmm. And I really love that skill And um, it's a, kind of An underrated skill Now the best directors Can do both uh, Martin Scorsese is certainly one of them Innovative as a director but also very observant As a writer and as a storyteller uh, The Coen brothers Certainly good with human behavior But also are very innovative uh, Paul Thomas Anderson yep. Another one That's of those guys one. right? Um, I always default to the guys That sit with a notepad And ask the question <laughs> why Okay. And Noah Baumbach is that guy for me. Sure It's the reason why I love Independent movies like this Why I love the mumblecore genre uh, it's why I love Seinfeld. It's why I love Woody Allen. It's why I love Bob Dylan. It's why I love journalism. I like thinking about the world as it is and not straying too far creatively. Because I think that's the thing. Is like I, I do like to. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty observant. Don't get me wrong. But I think the different, yeah, it, sort of what you alluded to is that I will take my observations and then just build on top of that instead of just like like trying my best to represent that and and maybe a. Uh, a, a realistic but also entertaining fashion, which is a, like what a lot of these movies do. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm interested in taking those, I, I like realistic ideas, like like logical observations, and then like stretching them to an extreme. <laughs> like, yes. Like I'm not to say that I, I wouldn't be interested in playing it playing it straight, but uh, there I do I always have like that urge to go a little more with it. Sure. Just as a film, uh, it's an underrated talent, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Noah Baumbach has that talent perhaps more than any other director mm-hmm. in in the world right now like his ability to just observe and listen and be quiet he's incredibly perceptive that's one of the reasons why marriage story works so well it's the intricacies the detail 
most of which is borrowed from real life. All of these movies, to a certain extent, with the exception of De Palma, is autobiographical. Yep. Uh, it's drawn from real life experience, and he'll confess to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just heard, as a matter of fact, an interview he did this week about Marriage Story, where uh, he said, yeah, I started taking notes on this movie three years ago. He didn't even refer to it as writing, because he doesn't like write screenplays. Yeah. He'll just sit around and talk to people and just jot down little notes. We'll talk about it in actually in a second. <laughs> uh, just jot down little notes, and he thinks, ah, maybe we can put this in a movie <laughs> at some point. And then he just sort of shoehorns that into a loose story. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I fucking love it, man. I love this guy. I'll always love this guy, and I'm so excited to talk about his best movies cool. today. Cool. That's a nice way to, to to illustrate our differences. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Okay, there we go. Kicking and screaming. Let's talk about it. Yeah. 1995, mm-hmm. the year that we were born. Yes. And the year that Noah Baumbach's career was born. Pretty good year. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he died, and we never saw him again. None of these movies were actually directed by Baumbach. <laughs> Starring Josh Hamilton, Eric Stoltz, and Parker Posey. Yeah. From the Owen, Ohio fame. <laughs> the great Owen, Ohio fame. Lucky her. A bunch of guys hang around their college for months after graduation, continuing a life much like the one before graduation. You know what I've realized? I copy all of these synopses from IMDb. Yeah. They're all just the most vague bullshit. There is no summary of any plot whatsoever. They're better than Netflix synopses. Yeah. No, I'm just saying for these movies specifically. Yeah. yeah. The Bombach movies, there's no plot. (laughs) Pretty much the same. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, His first movie, talk to me about it, Adam. Uh, I saw it and immediately I'm like, uh, what the hell's happening? Nothing's <laughs> happening. Uh, this is like, like I, I, I don't, I don't know about this movie. And then um, I, I started feeling the rhythm of the movie. Yeah. And I, I, uh, by the end of it, I, I, I really, really like the movie. Yeah. It's a charming, sweet little movie. It kind of reminds me of Diner just a little bit. Oh, certainly, and, yeah. And uh, which is another movie. I, I love Diner. And this is a, a, a different end of the story where it's just focused on what you do after college and. Uh, uh, know a lot of people like these characters and yeah uh, i may be one of these characters yeah, yeah it might as well be anyway <laughs> uh, and it, again this is a movie that has like like very little structure to it it's more like just the scenes happening but there is a relationship between them because of the, everyone's connected because it's all friends and it's just interesting to see them process what they're supposed to be doing after all of the sh- structure has sort of fallen away in their lives and how they kind of try to re- reform that. And it's very interesting. And, and, and again, another uh, like all of his films, they're all going to be pretty personal. And yeah, I, I, I love these characters and, and, and I love where they go. I don't hate anybody in the film and I, I sympathize with them deeply. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a really y- unique way to tell this story, but I, I, I think it pays off. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly, hit close to home for me as a kid that's not a child of divorce uh you know his divorce movies are are not as personal to me uh as a person that's not a, a, a wannabe dancer living in greenwich village francis ha doesn't necessarily speak to me in the way uh, that kicking and screaming does which is uh you know about people that are in my exact circumstance and it plays on a lot of those same anxieties that I think you and I have both had at some point. Anyone that went to college has the exact same anxieties. Mm-hmm. You fear that your best years are behind you, that the last four years of your life are going to be the defining years of your life. And now you're going to spend the next 30 years slaving away at some stupid job, longing for the days of, of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying to me. Yep. There's a scene in this movie where one of the characters is sitting at home alone on a Friday night 
and he's just banging his head against the wall going, <laughs> you're wasting your life. What are you doing? Because he's in the process of trying to write a screenplay. But he's, you know, he just he had it in his mind. I'm going to write a screenplay today. He didn't know what he was going to write about mm-hmm. or what it would look like, which is the exact wrong way to write a screenplay. But I'm sitting there and saying, like, yeah, this is a scene that has played out in my life <laughs> far too many times. Yep. Way too many times than I want to admit. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so on that, like uh, from that point of view, this is a horror movie. You yeah. Know? And I'm going to say that a number of times on this list, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm horrified. By the idea of working on a thesis for eight years. Mm. Oh, God. I you hate know? that. I, being way too old for all your buddies at the frat party. Yeah. Being that guy at the bar, you know. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the joke? He says, you want to make God laugh? Make a plan. It's like, <laughs> what a fucking deep idea. <laughs> Whoa. Man, it's terrible. I just went back to... Uh, the college bar by our university oh, a couple that's months right. ago. And, uh, and I had the exact same anxiety. Like, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. 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 I know. Like, I'm too old for this. And then I saw people that were older than me and I said, you're definitely too old for this. Mm, I went, I'm like, shouldn't I be doing something better with my Saturday night? I went back like to that bar, I think like a year after I graduated. Yeah. And I, I was just upset the whole <laughs> night. It's a <laughs> terrible experience. I was like, it, it may... It, I don't know if it would be better if it was a nicer bar, but it being a complete shithole doesn't help. Of course not. <laughs> so, no, but it was it was charming when you were in college. Yeah, but that's because... But now it's pathetic. Yeah, exactly. That's because you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing. And it's like, cool, I'm, I'm at the, the bar and I'm not quite old enough to be in here, but yay. And right. then you realize like, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. This movie is horrific. Um, the... One of the female characters, the the guy that played uh, Grover's girlfriend, I don't know the actress's name, um, she has that tick where she takes out a notepad and just starts jotting things down. Mm-hmm. That's something that Bombach does. That's his process. His writing ah. process is exactly that. Weird. He just goes around taking notes and puts it into a screenplay later. That's so strange. <laughs> yeah. But hey, it, it works for him. Yeah. So a lot of this stuff is autobiographical. I occasionally do the same thing, too. Like, if I... Uh, you know, were to be a successful uh, screenwriter and director, that is how I would do it, I think. All right. I'll, but I'll neither of those things. So. If I ever meet no Bombach, I'm going to be like, so I got this buddy that just plagiarizes you all the time. <laughs> I can introduce you to him. <laughs> Jason Blum of Blumhouse fame yeah. was Bombach's college roommate at the time. Oh. He's the one that got the film funded. This was one of his first productions. This is a Blumhouse movie, kind of? Well, <laughs> yeah, before Blumhouse. But yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Apparently, like, uh, they sent Steve Martin the script, and Steve, because I guess he was like a family friend of Jason Blum, huh. and Steve Martin liked it, so they got the film financed. Okay. Steve Martin liked it. All right. Cool. A so, uh, little behind-the-scenes information for you. That's neat. Um, yeah, I, I think definitely... The least structure of any Bombach movie. Yeah. And I think that's part of the charm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you are looking for it, I would recommend watching it. But please do not get it confused with the Will Ferrell, Robert Duvall soccer movie. Can I was screaming. Well, last night I was I was I flipped this on, actually. And um, my brother was like, we're not watching that shit Will Ferrell movie. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's the other kicking and screaming. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I think if you go on the. Amazon Fire Stick, and you uh, tell Alexa to search for Kicking and Screaming, the cover art from the Will Ferrell movie will show up. But Even it's on... actually the Kicking and... Yeah. They just mixed up the art. What a bunch of losers. <laughs> That's what happened the first time I watched the movie. Freaking amateurs. 
All right. Uh, I yeah, I really like this movie. It's not my favorite Bombach movie by any stretch of the imagination, no. but I think it was an important installment to talk about because it was his first one. I agree. So there you go. Mm. Let's move on. Yes. Squid and the Whale. Yeah. From ten years later. Yeah, I know. Two thousand five, starring Jeff Daniels. <laughs> oh, Jeff Daniels. <laughs> Laura Linney, Jesse Eisenberg, <laughs> Billy Baldwin. <laughs> Like yeah, the, the fourth best Baldwin, maybe. <laughs> Strangely, yeah. And Anna Paquin, mm-hmm. I, I regret to say, produced by Wes Anderson. Oh yeah, we're gonna forget about that. No, we're not. I believe he almost directed the movie. I think like Bombach wanted him to direct it. We'll, we'll talk. Uh, nominated for best original screenplay. I can't believe you just. Pro- we got to talk about this. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> nominated for best original screenplay. Uh, follows two young boys dealing with their parents' divorce in Brooklyn in the 1980s. Go ahead, talk to me about Wes Anderson. Well, I I like this movie. Okay, <laughs> let me start by saying that I I like the movie pr- pretty much. Like it's a good movie. Um, uh, after seeing more Bombach films, it feels the least Bombach in terms of his screenplay. Huh. Uh, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm looking at all the decisions that they made for these characters. I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the conversations they're having and the way they're talking and some, just some of their behavior and, and matching that with the filmmaking. And I thought it was really odd. And at about, I don't know, like towards the end of the film, I realized, oh, why didn't Wes Anderson direct this? <laughs> you <laughs> fuck off uh yeah that's fuck off that's my take i was like this is a wes anderson movie <laughs> just not with any wes anderson filmmaking techniques and it was really strange it was such a weird experience and i was like i don't know how i feel about this <laughs> one of the unavoidable truths of noah bombach <laughs> is that he's very good friends with wes anderson <laughs> and they collaborate a lot and i've chosen to ignore that part of his career <laughs> Just because I hate Wes Anderson so much, <laughs> I'm surprised. Like, but I have to reckon with it, I guess. Like the movie's very hipster with its conversation. Oh, it's hipster. It's it's hipster. You philistine. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm gonna spread cum all over the library. Like that's such a Wes Anderson choice. Uh, it's Kafka esque. It's really uh, Ka- it's yeah, written by Kafka. <laughs> how many fucking Kafka conversations do they have in this movie? <laughs> the movie is. Is grimy as hell. Oh, so grimy. Yet very charming at the same time. Yeah. As most of these movies are. Um the the again though, like there's a heightened sense of 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 dialogue and, and action that things that like people would never do to me in real life. But they elicit it's a very it does what Wes Anderson movies do, where it's like it's an exaggerated idea of what someone would say or an exaggerated idea of what someone would do. Did but you it, think so? Yeah. And huh. I and I kept thinking like, okay, yeah, I I get it. It and it it says something very specific and I love that. And that's why I love Wes Anderson so much is that he'll take these really real and personal ideas and amplify them a little bit to make them a little more engaging and interesting. And it's always complemented by the same type of style with his filmmaking. But this was the exact same Wes Anderson type of writing that you see in a lot of his movies, <laughs> but pains n- me. none of the filmmaking. And I was like, what is, uh, what, uh, uh, what, this is what like is getting this? waterboarded right it, now. It I was really strange. And I, I had to tell you this and I knew you were going to hate me for it. Cause I know you fucking love this movie. <laughs> I do love this. Movie. I know it, it's, it's very good. Don't get me wrong. It's like, it's still an experience, but at the end of the day, I was like, this would have been a fantastic Wes Anderson film. I don't know if it's a great Bombach film for that reason. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I, 
<laughs> Maybe I mean it's frenetic like Wes Anderson movies are. Yeah, like the editing is quick and uh, the music is uh, whimsical, very whimsical. Mm-hmm. So it, from that point of view, yes. And I think the oddly enough, the cynicism that he approaches these characters with mm. is more Wes Anderson. I thought, especially the scene, and this is don't n- no one yell at me. This is in the movie uh, when Jeff Daniels is like, yeah, she talks about her cunt a lot. Oh yeah, and I'm just like it comes out of nowhere. And Wes Anderson films have a tendency to just bring up really like touchy subjects like that just on a dime for, yeah. for no apparent reason. It's like it's almost unmotivated. Yes, and it's like oh oh god that that was that was weird and quirky, but like okay, and uh yeah, it, it kind of lends to that exaggerated style. And I it uh, and when they in this movie at least when they complimented that with the type of filmmaking that they were using, it made me dislike many of the characters. Yeah, I don't really like anybody in this movie. Well, this is I wanted to talk about this in relation to Marriage Story. Yeah, uh, they're both movies about divorce made by the same guy, but they feel totally different. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it makes sense because this movie was about Bombach's parents getting divorced, yeah. and he is, I guess, the de facto Jesse Eisenberg character. Mm-hmm. And Marriage Story is about his own divorce. So as you grow older, of course your understanding of marriage changes and becomes more complicated. So it's going to be naturally a little more sympathetic mm-hmm. towards the Adam driver and Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. characters. There's none of that in squid and the whale. No, it's bitter mm-hmm. and it's raw and it's angry mm-hmm. and vile. And the way these characters speak to one another uh, and the way that Jeff Daniels treats his student girlfriend, which yeah. is so creepy. It's a, it's a grimy skeezy feeling movie. Yeah. Um, Very nineties and kind of grungy for that reason too. Yeah. Um, I just think he's evolved a lot as a filmmaker. So when you say, you know, this felt very unbombach, makes sense because now he seems to be a pretty happy guy that has a yeah. firm grasp on his life, uh, is in a, a happy relationship with Greta Gerwig. And I also think like their collaboration has changed him quite a bit. Yes. His work post Greta Gerwig is much more optimistic and uh, thoughtful and sincere mm-hmm. than it was beforehand, and I think that has been for the better. I think like his last three movies are better than his first three movies, yes, certainly. Um, but you know, this is Jesse Eisenberg's story, and I don't, and it's Noah Baumbach's story told from the perspective of a child. So yeah. to not make it bitter and to not make it a bit cynical, I think would be disingenuous. No, I know. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have done that. You know, it's just very, very, very hard for me to latch on to anybody in this movie, which is why I wasn't sympathizing with what much with much of anything. It's why I, was, I wasn't very like upset by anything that happened in the movie. Okay, and why like I, I never had any, I never choked up, I never got got invested or to the point where it's like, oh, I feel so terrible for this person when they're they're fighting, and Jeff Daniels is like, I want to get back together. It's like, yeah, I don't care, dude, get the fuck out of here. Yes, you know, it, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of like me say, like wanting to cast these characters out, including the mom. Like, yeah. I think I think uh, Jesse Eisenberg's character is a shithead. Uh, the the son is weird, <laughs> to say the least. Sure. Uh, again, him drinking. That's like like why didn't Wes Anderson direct this movie? <laughs> and it's something only a child actor in a Wes Anderson movie would ever do. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna give him a weird facial scar too. I was like, this kid belongs with the Moonrise Kingdom children. Oh no, it's. Uh, Don't it's, say these things. It's very weird. Uh, <laughs> but then I I thought the, the mom was was 
she was just a horrible person, and I thought Jeff Daniels was even worse. Oh, Jeff Daniels is a phenomenal character, though. And that's the thing. He's and, incredible in this movie. And, and this is where I, I butt heads with myself. I'm like, Adam, stop it. Is because, the, yeah, these characters are all so well realized. They are great. Yes. <laughs> the opening scene, it's one of the best opening scenes I've ever seen in a movie. I, I was like, oh my God, this is smart. Like, just to illustrate the conflict between these two and the separation and who sides with who. Right. I loved it. While playing tennis. It's perfect. It's it just ingenious. Yeah. It's just a great act of screenwriting. Yes. And this movie has so much of that. Yeah. Uh, the detail of Jesse Eisenberg stealing the Pink Floyd song, <laughs> yep. Hey You, and taking it as his own at the school talent show, yep. like I could definitely see that happening. Yep. And I'll also say this, and maybe this is too much to admit, um, I did not have hipster parents, I did not grow up in Brooklyn, I, my dad was not a professor and didn't read a lot of books, uh, but, <laughs> but my relationship to my father is quite Similar to my relation to Jesse Eisenberg's relationship to his father, mm. at least for the majority of this movie, not at the end of the movie. Growing up, all I wanted to be was like my dad. And I often mimicked his behavior, repeated some of his opinions, not understanding what they meant. Had my parents gone through a divorce, I could definitely see myself taking my father's side. Mm -hmm. And I could see that being a real rift in the family. Again, I can't relate to some of the autobiographical elements of this, but in terms of the relationship to a dad... It rings very true to me. And mm -hmm. that's, I think, what choked me up the first time I saw it. Yep. Like, I could definitely see myself being that kid <laughs> talking about how a book is Kafka-esque, Kafka mm -hmm. having never read a Kafka book before. That's interesting, though. You know? The fact that there are just some movies that only you would, like, kind of get in that one little part. Yes. Like, that's why I always say, like, like uh, Raging Bull is the only movie to, like, consistently consistently make me cry. Yes. It's because I, I, I connect to the ending with, with uh, Jake LaMotta and, and Joey yes. so deeply that it's, it's it's hard for me to describe. So I'm just like, yeah, no, like, like I know I understand most people probably aren't uh, are, are sobbing at the scene, but I can't help it. Right. I, yeah, I, that I, was my experience yeah. with it. It was so specific to, mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. yeah. There was a time I was a shithead kid yep. who thought he knew more than he actually did <laughs> and tried impressing his friends with it. You're not much different now. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, so, like, I, I get it, man. And that last shot when he when he goes to the Squid and the Whale exhibit at the yeah. Museum of Natural History yeah. is just yes. so moving. Yeah. Uh, and also, what, what, like, Jeff Daniels asked him to get a pillow or something. What does he say? Get me a water Oh yeah, at the hospital. And it was just, like, one step too far. Yeah, I love that, though. It's great, man. Um, yeah, it's great. I think it was a pillow. Like, get me another pillow. These are great characters. Yes, you're right. Yeah. And They're, Daniels is so good in this. Yes. <laughs> really different side of Daniels, too. I was like, Jesus, I've never seen him be this awful. Oh, yeah. So, my dad always thinks that he plays such a goofball, and now I'm going to be like, have you seen Squid and the Whale? Well, I mean, he played a goofball once, right? That, that's. I think, yeah, my dad has a tendency to just only cite the one movie. I'm like, what? Yeah. Now he's playing Atticus Finch or whatever on yeah, Broadway. That's true. So. Good for him. Um, yeah. Was supposed to be Bill Murray, by the way. He was initially cast. I could see it. Yeah, I could too. I don't know if he's quite as good, but... Never know. I don't know. Yeah, Bill it's... Murray playing such a shithead. I don't know if I could... I don't know. Apparently he is a shithead, though. Now, Bill Murray's more lovable than this character. This character had to be hateable. True, yeah. You know? This character had to be the father saying, you have so many options. She had too many freckles. Dump her. <laughs> oh, my God. What a dickhead. You have too many freckles. Yeah, that's true. That's oh! What a fucking asshole. I love this movie. Yeah. It's, I adore it. No, I like I like it. It's very good. I just think, you know, maybe might have been perfect had Wes Anderson directed it. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. Francis Ha, a movie from 2012. By the way, a movie that I have seen come up on a lot of end of decade lists. It's like on every list I'm reading. Good. Yeah. Um 
starring Greta Gerwig, who co-wrote the movie. Her second collaboration with Bombach also stars Mickey Sumner, Sumner, Michael Esper, and the aforementioned Adam Driver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A New York woman who doesn't really have an apartment apprentices for a dance company, though she's not really a dancer, and throws herself headlong into her dreams, even as the possibility of realizing them dwindles. Uh, I'm going to guess this was your favorite movie on the list. This is my favorite Noah Baumbach movie ever. It's my favorite movie ever now. I just, oh my God. I saw this movie uh, uh, a couple days ago. uh, And then, um, actually, no, was it? It would have been, yeah, I think like two days ago. And um, I saw the movie. Uh, middle of the day, went over to Abby's, watched it again. Oh my god! I fucking love what this an afternoon movie. This movie is everything I want. It's <laughs> it's the most lovable thing I've ever seen. It's so me. Uh, Francis Ha is someone I oddly re- Halliday rather I relate yeah. to deeply. Uh, she's more lovable than Forrest Gump, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, oh my god! And I just more yeah. lovable than Forrest Gump. Oh fuck yeah! What a and, take! And this movie just makes me want to dance. I fucking adore it. <laughs> I love it. That was not my reaction. My reaction was, yeah, I'll never become a dancer because <laughs> it seems like a miserable lifestyle. <laughs> no, I disagree. This movie's like, like it's. Got a nice like 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 whimsical uh, attitude towards the a character who's just stumbling through life, yeah, and trying to her best to like 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 reach a point, but she's always out of her element unless she's with her best friend, and then that's kind of where the inciting incident happens when her best friend says, "I got to go do other stuff," yeah, and then all sense of uniformity and, and structure and basically you know the the things that made her comfortable are just shattered, and then she's like, "Well, what do I do now?" And just seeing her react to the world and. And react with people and, and just running through the streets and dancing through the streets and trying her best to stay afloat. It's just the most, oh my God, it's the most heartwarming thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I love this. I love every frame of this movie. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Greta is such a talent. I, and She's really good. And that's the thing that really sells it for me more than anything is that um, I, I, I love Greta Gerwig in this movie. Yeah. So I want to hang out with her so bad now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she just seems like the coolest chick. <laughs> she's awesome. She's a mess in this movie. Don't get oh, me wrong. Oh, absolutely. She, she's kind of but a loser. my lo- kind of mess. Yeah. No, it's, she's kind, kind of mess you want to clean up, right? Yeah. She's kind of a loser. But uh, <laughs> Oh, definitely. But uh, I, I I just want to, I want to have a fake fight with her. Yeah. I love what she, <laughs> what's that, you, you want to like pretend fight? Fuck yeah, Francis. Let's have a pretend fight. <laughs> um, I said this about kicking and screaming. I felt it even more after Francis Hot. This is a fucking horror movie. <laughs> this movie terrified me. No, really? I, oh my God. Okay. The scene where she goes to Paris <laughs> is one of the most grotesque. I'd rather watch Midsummer four times over than have to stomach that again. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> There's nothing funny about that to me. That was goosebumps. The idea of maxing out a credit card to fly to Paris for a weekend only to be jet lagged and sleep away the first day. Like the shot of the alarm clock at like, what was it? 530 when she woke up in that shitty ass Airbnb in Paris. 
That to me is like Tony Collette in the corner of Hereditary. Mm-hmm. That's the scariest shot of the year for me, of the decade. <laughs> it's terrifying. The part of the reason that I loved it so much and why uh, uh, it, it just made me laugh <laughs> is because every single thing that happens to her in that scene has literally happened to me abroad. Yes. And I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. Where I've had like a credit card that didn't work to sleeping in. I slept until six in the afternoon one time because I was jet lagged. I have decided, oh, there's fuck all to do. I'm going to go see a movie and I end up going to see fucking Batman v Superman. She goes and sees Puss in Boots Uh, (laughs) and just wandering around the streets, not knowing what the hell to do and eating terrible food. It's just like, this is so, I, I, it's just, there's so much me in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It just, it just cheered me up so much, but I just love how she's, she's basically like, this sucks and bounces back from it eventually. It just makes me so happy. Yeah. I don't think I'd be able to bounce back from that. Like that's just really, it's horrifying. That and then the idea of having to take a job at your alma mater yeah. as an RA <laughs> yeah. six years after you've graduated. Yep. Literally nightmare fuel. <laughs> like, I actually have a recurring nightmare where I am, like, back in high school because I, like, failed out the senior year. Ew. And I've been, I'm one of those super seniors that stuck there for three years and just, like, all the kids that were freshmen when I was there are now graduating and I'm still stuck. Horrifying, mm-hmm. like, and that's what this is. Like the idea that you have to go back to your alma mater because it's not working out for you in the big city, really, and you have to take an RA job over the summer. Mm. Goosebumps, bro! <laughs> Fucking goosebumps. Wow. The most Noah Baumbach movies, I watch them and I think, you know, this is pulled straight from my head. I watch this movie and I think this was pulled straight from my nightmare. <laughs> that's what this is. <laughs> wow. I have such a good time watching this movie. <laughs> I had a great time, too. Obviously, it's incredible, and she's so charismatic, and the script is great, and the direction is great, and it's all great, um, but <laughs> it just makes you uncomfortable. Too close to home. Oh, God. It's it, one of those things. That's so weird, because it's close to home for me, and I'm just like having the time of my life yeah. watching it. I love I love the scenes when she's with Adam Driver and those guys, and he's just like, my ladies, and then he comes out, he's like, don't mind me, I just want you to look at me, yeah. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> it's just like like all the people she surrounds herself with, just the the way she reacts to them. I, I Oh, my God. What? A, well, I'm trying to think. There was one other part that I just... Adore. Oh, I also I actually like really really admired the filmmaking in, in this movie. And, oh yeah, and and some of the musical choices. It reminds me a lot of French cinema. It reminds me. A oh, lot, certainly. Yeah. There's a lot of like Truffaut and um, um, a little bit of Godard, but not much. Uh, and also a lot of Agnes Varda. And I'm just like, oh my god! Like you can you can see a lot of those influences here. And 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 it's honestly it felt like a step up for Bombach in terms of his uh, filmmaking uh, attributes. And I, I I really admired it. But the thing is, it it. <laughs> After seeing Lady Bird, it feels like it almost feels like Greta had a little more influence. Oh yeah, oh for sure. I mean, she co-wrote it. It's her yeah. story. Yeah, I got to imagine she had some say in the direction for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, you're hundred percent right on that. That's not a bad thing, by the no. way. No, no, no. That's a very good thing. Yeah, um, for but sure. It, but it feels like their movie rather yeah. than just his. Yeah, which is great. I think that's an improvement. Um, however, Bombach, underrated director. Let's be very clear about mm-hmm. that. Um, especially with Marriage Story. Like, Marriage yes. Story is his best work of direction. Yes. And it's just so confident and mm-hmm. stylish and great. Yes. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, he's 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 a fan of movies. Like, I know, like, he's known for his screenplays, but mm-hmm. uh, underrated as a director. Yeah. But sure. th- and, yeah, probably his best movie, but this is this this one speaks to me the most. It's the one that I would throw on if I have 104 temperature <laughs> and just makes me happy, happy as, like, 
Jesus Christ, as anything. I can't watch this one after the sun goes down. Really? That's my type of thing. Uh, I, I this, this movie... Gotta <laughs> watch it in broad daylight. This is this could be my lullaby. Lull me, lull me to sleep in a good way. Like, make me happy and have good dreams. I fucking love this movie. <laughs> Francis Ha. Cool. Let's talk to Palma. Ooh, to Palma. Uh, 2015 movie. Co-directed by Jake Paltrow. Mm-hmm. Starring Brian De Palma and only Brian De Palma. Mm-hmm. A documentary about writer and director Brian De Palma. That is the synopsis. Um, Paltrow and Bombach, good buddies, I guess. I guess Paltrow's more of a TV director. And I guess they, uh, in like the late 2000s, struck up a friendship with Brian De Palma. Mm-hmm. And so they would have dinner together all the time. And De Palma would tell them these great stories. And so they were like, hey, you should like put this to video. Just like do an interview and just have you tell some of the stories. So they get together and they shoot this thing and they had no intention of making it a documentary. They just started filming. They end up in Paltrow's apartment for a week. Yep. Just telling these stories. They had over 30 hours worth of footage. Uh, Paltrow operated the camera. Bombach operated the sound. The palm is there. Nobody else in the room. And it's just a movie about movies. And one of the reasons why I love it so much is is there is no documentary bullshit in here whatsoever. And I love it. There's none of it. This is another favorite of mine. Mm. I, I think this movie's actually kind of fantastic. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of it is simply because of its level of honesty. Yes. And it, here's a, an interesting comparison, is that they had a, a similar kind of like like Spielberg documentary, and it's just called yeah. Spielberg, yeah, where I they're kind it. of going through his career. And it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's very fluffy. Oh, it's, it's super, fl- and it's like it, six hours too, yeah. isn't it? It's PC'd to all hell. Yeah, and it, as 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 nice as it is, and as you know, it's insightful enough, and it's it's got some nice stories to tell. There is something about Brian De Palma's uh, matter of factness about his career and who he is and who his contemporaries were and what his films ultimately became. Yeah, that is so satisfying to hear because it's incredibly unique. I don't, I, I can't imagine another director just being this candid about everything that made his career what it is. I also wouldn't call him that charismatic of a guy. Like he's kind of <laughs> schlubby. He, he's the the uh, the shot of him just sitting there in front of Paltrow's fireplace. <laughs> is very gritty and darkly lit and kind of gross looking mm-hmm. like the movie is not flashy at all uh and he has this schlubby little shirt on that doesn't quite fit him and one button is unbuttoned and his face isn't exactly properly lit so there's like nothing appealing about it but it does give you that sense that you're just sitting in an apartment with him telling old stories yep and that's part of the charm mm-hmm. uh you're 100 right he's so fucking honest yep when his movies bomb, he has no problem telling you that his movies bombed. And by the way, he had a lot of bombs in his career. Oh yeah, uh, you know, I, I think at one point he he called out De Niro for not memorizing lines. <laughs> yep, and being difficult on set, like later on in his career, and uh, you know, getting Mission Impossible. What a success that was, mm-hmm. and how he had to fight the studio on it. Uh, and it, didn't Robert Town write the the first draft? I think there was a story in there where Robert Town wrote a draft to Mission Impossible. And he had to totally change the climax because Town had this boring ass final well, shot. The the idea was like uh, uh, Robert Town was going to do a thing in the train car where everyone just reveals their faces off of the mask, and that was kind of it. It's right. like, oh, we got gotcha. you. Whereas like uh, 
he's like, we need this is Mission Impossible. You can't just end it with the uh, mask getting pulled off in, in, in the train car. You need like something exciting. And then yeah. uh, David Kep comes up with the 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 ending with the with the train right. and the, the the speeding train and the helicopters crashing and whatnot. And it's a uh, it's great. And he was he's kind of mad because I think a town actually threw out the idea like, what are you going to have like helicopters crashing and whatnot? Right. And but Ryan DePaul was like. Fuck yeah! Of course we are. What's wrong with that? Right. So they go and do it. And this is Robert Town we're talking about. The dude wrote Chinatown, but yeah. like De Palma's candidness and just ability to throw the guy under the bus. Like, yeah, it was a shitty ending, and I wanted to change it. You know, it <laughs> yeah, was no. boring. It wasn't cinematic. Which is not, it's it's great for him to 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 be like I said, like that upfront about like this is the, just the way I wanted it to be, and this is how people were treating me, and it just gives you a nice picture of the industry that I don't think a lot of people would have been brave enough to tell yeah and the thing is i actually do find him kind of charismatic because i just love hearing him tell these stories oh they're great stories that's because that's we love movies i think yeah i don't know like as a I, document for that era i was just fascinated yeah. by it i just I, I don't know i really love the way he talks about it all it's mm. it's really interesting and funny and and like i said just i was like oh this is what that was like yeah this is what that was like for you or this is how this person behaved it's it's so i don't know it's pretty neat i love i love oh my god like the 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 the, the ending of scarface where al pacino uh, he burned his hand on the right. gun barrel and he's like yeah the reason why we had so many shots of people firing their guns is because we had nothing else to shoot because <laughs> Al was in the, the, the emergency room with a burned hand so we're like what are we going to do it's like get every possible angle of someone shooting a gun <laughs> so that's why <laughs> yeah the fascinating thing about De Palma I know some people love him I don't uh, Tarantino loves him to death I know that and so he can't be all that bad I wouldn't go as far to say as I love De Palma but I do uh like quite a few of his films yeah i love a couple he's charming because he grew up with the film brats Mm -hmm. and you know it's coppola spielberg scorsese lucas all ended up doing greater things than he did and they're all sort of collectively known as some of the great directors of their generation and de palma's like the redheaded stepchild yeah which i think he always wanted to be i think his personality is just like that you know certainly the black sheep but i i do love his like friendly rivalry with scorsese yeah yeah which was a very very like like publicized thing at the time and i I didn't realize de niro's first movie was a de palma movie yeah yeah well what the hell was was the name of that movie it was like an independent thing they shot in new york let me let me see uh it's not it's not get to know your rabbit what the hell is it uh, something wedding the wedding party the wedding party yeah yeah yeah. okay that's right yeah 69 which is very interesting yeah, yeah i love how he was but he even goes as far to say that he was offered a, a taxi driver and he's like i, I turned all oh, right yeah. yeah i turned it down because it, it it's more marty's taste yeah so he gave it to marty which is which, which is, is just cool to imagine though like those five guys getting dinner just talking about projects with each other yeah, and know. they just all happen to be working on the greatest movies ever made. You got to think it happened a lot. He even he was his his insight into the industry and some of the great films that were made like he he was working on casting Star Wars right. with George Lucas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Sure, he was there and I'm sure Coppola showed him drafts of The Godfather as it was happening mm-hmm. and Apocalypse yeah. Now and yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Just, you know, this one brain trust was responsible for all the great art of the 70s. I know. It's just so strange how that happens. What a happy coincidence. Yep. Um, yeah, there's there's no fluff in this movie. No. There's no fluff. There are no other talking heads. The entire movie is narrated by De Palma. Yep. They didn't get one other interview, yep. and they just intercut it with footage from the movies. 
And you wouldn't think that that would be as interesting as it is or that it could sustain its runtime. Not to say that it's super long, but the fact yeah. that one person could be talking the whole time. Yeah. And no, it's super entertaining. And it's very academic yeah. and it's very specific as Bombach often is. I just imagine some of the questions he was asking were very pointed and mm-hmm. methodical. Yeah. Uh, and I love that, man. If you're going to make a documentary, my thought always, if you're going to make like an educational documentary or an informational documentary, go as nerdy as you possibly can. Yeah. You know, don't sugarcoat. Mm-hmm. Go deep. Dig for the truth. Give me more facts. Yeah. I want more things. Mm-hmm. I don't want less things. If you want to do a narrative documentary, that's different. But a movie like this should be made for you and I. It should not be made for the greater public at large. That's, I mean, the, the fact that it is so academic, it's hard for me. I guess there's some people out there who might appreciate it. But I mean, for us, this is like candy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I agree entirely. So. Uh, that's De Palma. I... I we're kind of stretching the definition of a Bombach movie here, but not really. No, no, it's fine. Yeah. It, I mean, this covers his career quite well if we're including something like De Palma, so why not? Yeah, absolutely. And it just proves how much of a student of film he is. And so that's important to note, too. Also, uh, De Palma fucking hates uh, Cliff Robertson. He <laughs> plays Uncle Ben in Spider-Man. <laughs> Ta- why? Well, I forget that story. Uh <laughs> This is crazy. He was, I was like, I forget. I think the movie was Obsession, uh-huh. and uh, he was like, "Yeah, I couldn't work with that guy." There's, you know, he, he this uh, Cliff, you know, was a very commanding presence, and the lead, uh, who was a girl, I forgot, I forgot her name. I don't know what the woman's name was, but he was like an obsession. Yeah, he was like whoever her name was. He's like, I Cliff felt that she was taking over the movie, so he would deliberately sabotage her scenes. And make her performance worse, or try to anyway. Uh, Genevieve Bujold. Genevieve Bujold. Never heard from again, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Cliff but, Robertson killed her career. Oh boy. <laughs> but he would say, like, Cliff Robertson, when they were doing, like, a like a two-shot, and we'd have to focus on her face, Cliff would just, like, start veering off to the side, kind of like this, and throw off her eye line. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And there's scenes where he's, like, like he, he would go away, and he would get and then the cinematographer would press him up against a mahogany wall and he's like you are the same color as this wall how can I light you <laughs> Cliff Robertson what a dick <laughs> <laughs> I do want to go back and actually watch some of these De Palma movies maybe I'll do it one of these because I've only seen the big ones I haven't seen some of his I, smaller I need to recommend a few to you you, sh- you should see Blowout uh, definitely see Blowout definitely see Dress to Kill yeah. uh, uh, Carlito's Way and I've seen Carlito's Way. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I like Carlito's yeah, Way. I think it's fine. It's yeah. pretty good. Uh, Casualties of War. Have you seen that? Yeah, actually. You should see it. Is it? Yeah, it's good. Pretty, I think it's pretty good. Okay. I, I don't know. I, I do like De Palma. I just don't think like I very few of his films I would consider great. Let's do a De Palma podcast. Okay, I'm down. Because we never talk De Palma. Very me. Very me, but like at least I'm. I I know the criticisms. I'm not an idiot. About you know what it, I appreciate so. too. Like the guy is very honest that he's aping Alfred Hitchcock. Oh God, yeah. You know, I I that's one of my favorite things because I've always thought like yeah he is like like Hitchcock to a fault. Like he will rip him off, but yeah. He, but uh, his defense is always like I I'm only doing it because I don't understand why anyone would want to make a movie differently. Right? Because how could you get better than that? Right. I think he says at one point in the documentary like for all the influence Hitchcock had. No one in Hollywood is really paying homage to him anymore. No. Yeah. You know? Uh, except for him. Except for him. Yeah. And, you know, to mixed results, I guess, at times. Yeah. He just made a movie last year called Domino. Yeah, I know. And which... apparently it was terrible. Yeah. Figures. 
uh, Nicola Costa Waldau from Game of Thrones is in it. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll see it. <laughs> Still doing shit, though. Yeah, I know. That's a Palma. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that one of these days. The Palma cast. Okay. Uh, the final movie on the list, The Meyerowitz Stories, parenthesis, new and selected. <laughs> a little too hipster, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're such a hypocrite sometimes. <laughs> no, I have to square the fact that I find Bombach's writing to be enthralling, but his impulses can sometimes skew a little pretentious. That's all. Yeah, I know. From 2017, stars, a star-studded cast. Yep. Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, Elizabeth Marvel, Emma Thompson, and Dustin fucking Hoffman, bro. An estranged family gathers together in New York City for an event celebrating the artistic work of their father. Trivia question for you. Dustin Hoffman, in previous movies, has played both Adam Sandler's father and Ben Stiller's father. Name those movies. Uh, Ben Stiller's father in uh, Meet the Fockers. Correct. And Little Fockers, if you want. And Little Fockers. Adam Sandler's father. Oh, my God. Hmm. I don't know. Fifty First Dates? I have no idea. The Cobbler. The Cobbler? 2014. What the hell? (laughs) I had no idea Dustin Hoffman was in The Cobbler. Me neither. I haven't seen it, by the way. All right. A Todd Haynes movie? No, it's a it's a, a Tom McCarthy Tom, movie. Oh, Tom McCarthy. Okay, okay yeah. Which is funny because it came out the same year as Spotlight. Yeah, that's right. So, like, within a year, the guy wins Best Picture, but also makes a shitty Adam Sandler movie. Mm, which makes me think he's not that good. Yeah, probably. I think that's the same. <laughs> he's a confident <laughs> director. Yeah. Um, people talking about their emotions is usually very bad screenwriting. Mm. Just if we want to paint with a broad brush um when noah bombach does it i find it enthralling and i can't really figure out why um but in the meyerwitz stories this is an example of acting and uh screenwriting just elevating the material because the story here isn't particularly compelling it's about Mm -hmm. a father that was like a failed artist and now he's going broke and then he gets sick and the kids like talk about their feelings with each other and it's kind of theatrical in that way it's very stagey mm-hmm. uh and again if this was written by someone less competent and had less of a feel for dialogue and was less funny quite frankly than <laughs> yeah. Bombach, it just wouldn't work but i think that's a common through line in all of his movies he has such a feel and ear for dialogue yeah i agree i mean it's pretty well acted it's got some solid dialogue some it's got it's got its moments yeah but I don't care for this movie. You don't care for it? No, I've never cared for it. Oh, no. It's very okay for me. Oh, I, no. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't find the, the I don't find any of their, their struggles to be interesting. I don't, it doesn't feel fresh to me. A lot of the, 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 the relationships between, you know, the kids and, and Dustin Hoffman is, I don't know. There's something about it that just kind of falls flat for me in every scene. And even though I kind of understand like what they're going for, it's just, I never, again, this is one of those examples where it's like Bombach, you you could have painted a little bit more. You could have gone a little further with that or, you know, press those questions a little harder. I guess my, the only scene I like love is uh, when, but Ben Stiller, I think, first meets up with his dad, and they're in like the coffee shop. And oh yeah, he's just trying to reach him, but he and can't. he loses his coat, yeah, and he chases yeah. after the guy that yeah. <laughs> took his coat. I like little moments like that, and there is like again, there is uh, there's to all of Bombach's movies, there is a nice charm to uh, to his films and and his general sensibilities. It's just, I, yeah, it's I I don't know 
how to pin down my, my criticisms with, with this film entirely. Just that a lot of the scenes are kind of whatever for me. Hmm. I don't know. Even to the way it wraps up, I'm just like, Oh, that's it. Like, okay. Like you found, a, you know, you were never fully satisfied with what your father was doing, but you forgave him anyway. It's like, uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I definitely liked it more than you. Uh, is it? Yeah, it's probably in my top five. Bombach movies. I don't know. I like it better than Mistress America. I didn't include that on the list, uh, although a lot of people really like it. I find it kind of stiff, uh, and I find the ending to be really stupid. Because I guess, interesting. And Greta's in that, and she's pretty good. She's not as good as she is in Francis Ha. Um, While We're Young is another movie that I considered. That's Adam Driver and Ben Stiller as well. Okay. Also, not quite there for me. Didn't ring as true as I, I had hoped it would. Uh, I just love the cast here. I think Hoffman is awesome. We talked about this, I think, when the movie came out. Uh, you were more enthralled by Ben Stiller in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was more Hoffman. I, I love the scene where he meets Sigourney Weaver. Oh, and yeah. he's recounting the the interaction. And he goes, yeah, I went up to her. And I said, hi, I'm Harold. And she says, hi, I'm Sigourney. <laughs> and like that was the highlight of his year, essentially. <laughs> but just this guy's such a fucking poser. He thinks he's this great artist. Uh-huh. Uh, but really, like... He's just excited to meet the chick from Alien. You yeah, know? exactly. Like that's he wishes he was at the cool kids table, but he's never going to earn a spot there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I love movies about losers. Yeah, I, I and these losers are quite lovable. I think. And Adam Sandler is better in this movie than he's been in fifteen years. So that's something. He's okay. I, I again, a lot of like the his performance is not particularly memorable for me. Uh-huh. And honestly, like that that was my issue with Hoffman. It's like again, he has his moments, but. I didn't walk away from the movie like thinking about Hoffman. It's like, again, it's sort of a performance that sort of went away from me. The only one that like sticks, like when I think about this movie, the first thing I think of is Ben Stiller because I think he's quite great in the movie. Yeah. He's the only thing where it's like, where did this come from? The you know? fight scene with him and Sandler in the yeah. college green is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where uh, Sandler takes the daughter's beer can and throws it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I lo- and like I think in that scene too, her boyfriend is smoking a cigarette. I always love that detail. Yeah, of like the gall. That's how you could tell you have a cool dad is you can introduce him to your boyfriend and he's smoking a fucking cigarette <laughs> and he doesn't say anything. <laughs> like I just imagine if I did if I brought a girl home and the when she meets my father, she's smoking a fucking cigarette. Are you kidding? Oh god, I would never see her again. No, nope. she'd be out. Yep. That would be really bad. But I love their relationship. I love the fact that she's more of a parent to him than he is a parent to her. Mm -hmm. You know? Because Adam Sandler is another kind of loser figure. He's a man child. Yeah. Sort of following in his dad's footsteps a little more than Ben Stiller ever was. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Even even then, though, like, again, like, it's it's an individual scene. I don't... Not a lot of it, like, sticks with me. I just think, like like you said, there's... Maybe with this film, for me, I feel a stiffness. Yeah. I'm just less enthused about it. Yeah. I, I don't... I don't totally fault you for that point of view. This this might just be another personal thing for me. Um, but yeah, it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix movie. Uh, he's now made two movies with yeah. Netflix. And I would call that partnership pretty successful yeah. so far. This ain't a bad Wouldn't movie. Wouldn't you agree? Though. Yeah, no. I Yeah. No, he's been, especially with what he just released. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. But no, this is not a bad movie at all. It's just like, for me, it's, it's kind of whatever. I don't, I don't know if I needed a movie to tell me what it tells me. So. Okay. All right, we're done. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, I have no problem putting Francis Ha. I'm cool. You want to put Francis? Yeah, I, I'm cool. With that. I mean, <laughs> the, the Squid and the Whale is my favorite movie on the list, uh, but that's just a me thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
but you love Francis Ha, and you gave me the gift of watching these movies. Will we put Francis Ha? So, I mean, of course, I'm going <gasps> to default to your judgment on this. Yeah. And if you love it, I love it too. So there it goes. I, I'm getting engaged to this movie, Nico. So we're... <laughs> we're <laughs> so we are inducting... <laughs> It's my movie. Congratulations <laughs> to Mrs. Adam Hall. <laughs> Francis Hodge for earning a spot in the movie Hall of Fame. Oh, that makes me very happy. <laughs> thank you, Nico. Well, thank you for giving me what is uh, I, I can safely consider uh, among my list of favorites. I absolutely adore everything about that movie. You are very welcome. Uh, and again, thank you very much for suffering through four of these. So overall, you would call the experience positive. Though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very positive. Like, just interesting, though. Like, it had a very strange, like, like it was never, like, negative. I was just, like, like, like weird feelings I didn't always expect, especially with Squid and the Whale. Yeah. Yeah. But it was nice to, uh, it was nice to wrap it up with uh, uh, Francis Ha with these movies. That was the last one that I saw. I mean, I guess technically it was Marriage Story, but since we're in, in the order in which we were talking about these movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a very reflective process, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Like when you watch these movies, you do a lot of thinking about yourself. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's no escapism here. You certainly wonder why certain movies uh, resonated with you and why some did not. Yes. Because yeah, I wouldn't even say that Francis Ha is like out of his lineage and abides by like even like my rules and what I it's like it's not like gremlins or anything obviously yeah it's not doing that level of crazy shit but for some reason yeah no like every decision in that movie was just you know perfectly right for me so yeah cool there we go Francis Ha in the movie Hall of Fame yeah I'm very happy about that that's so cool yeah that being said, um, yeah, the, the the next Adam Hall podcast will not be painful for you, and that's the issue. <laughs> this is the thing. We all have our guys, Adam. Or rather, we all have our guys. Yeah. Rather, it will be painful. I said it will not. Yeah, be yeah, yeah. It will be painful. Yeah, for you. no, I I understand. Yeah, that's the you know you need to just. Where do you want to go next? God, I. What would you like to do? I don't know, man. I don't know what what I I have to I have to think of something right now. Well, no, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. But is there like a director that we don't talk about enough that you'd like to talk about? Mm. I mean, we can only do so many Fincher movies on this fucking podcast, man. <laughs> we haven't had a Fincher podcast. <laughs> yes, we have. It's every podcast we've ever done with each other has been had, a Fincher podcast. We haven't had a Fincher podcast. Every <laughs> podcast we've ever done has been a Fincher podcast. <laughs> uh ooh. Well, think about it. Get back to me. I have one. Oh, you do? Oh, what is it? Can we do a, a, a Villeneuve podcast? <laughs> There's a few that I know you should probably see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have not seen... I guess. We've talked a lot of Villeneuve. I get, yeah, sure. All right. You haven't done... Uh, you haven't seen Enemy or um, 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 Insandee. I have not. Hmm. You should see both. I have not. Um, well, okay. Soon. We'll do it. Okay. We'll figure it out. It's just one idea. There's there are many ideas. Yeah, we could still do that Godzilla podcast, and you could oh, hate yourself for the rest of the year. Well, okay, we'll do that at the same time we do the Pink Panther podcast. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> deal, <laughs> deal, sir. Maybe we'll do it for Valentine's Day. <laughs> It'll be like a, a good a, thing for our relationship. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's a podcast. Um, next week, uh, I think we're gonna do our decade in review. And we're gonna you want to do it next week? I think so. Okay. Okay? You cool with that? 
But we have to see more movies, though, don't we? Oh, well, we have movies, for sure. Oh, no, not the gear interview, the decade interview. Oh, decade, decade, Yeah, let's decade. do decade. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Ne- next week, I will be publishing some uh, think pieces and stuff. So I think it would be cool to coincide with that. This is not like we're inducting anything. We're just talking about our list, essentially. Yeah, I think uh, I have a few ideas that I want to talk to you off air about, okay. but, uh, sort of to spice it up a bit. But I want to just wrap up the last 10 years of movies and I guess definitively say if it was a good or bad decade. Right okay. and and sort of classify the year the years in Hollywood. So, yeah, next week we're gonna do that. Right. Uh, and then Christmas is coming, mm-hmm. and then the end of the year is coming, and we're gonna have some top ten lists. Yeah, which we are, are always fun. Man, I'm still I'm so excited to share my top ten. One of my favorite podcasts of the year, I would say, is our annual top ten list because <laughs> it gets it it pisses us off so much. It gets so contentious. I love it. That it's like in a good way. It just makes me laugh and uh, it makes me roll with happiness. <laughs> you are, oh my God, what's what's the one on my list that you're just going to kill me over? Well, you, don't say it. I, well, I'll just say you're going to be mad about 11 and you're going to be mad about uh, 7. I am also considering... And 8 and 9. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Okay. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I'm I'm considering expanding my list because it's been such a fucking great movie year. It has. Want- I I almost don't want to confine it to ten. I'm I'm gonna try my best, but there may be a few honorable mentions I have to tack on. I'll, you could do eleven. Yeah, maybe I'll go to eleven. Stick to eleven. Yeah, I'm, I may have to. <laughs> and I've been catching up on shit. By the way, I just watched The Farewell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna watch The Souvenir probably tonight or tomorrow. So I got to do Booksmart at some point. There's a few movies that I I want to watch. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh yeah, I've heard it's great. Yeah. yeah. So, Knives Out, of course. Knives Out, I got to see Uncut Gems, of yep. course. Mm-hmm. So those should all be cats. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. We shall not rank the movies until we see cats. My list is not complete. Oh god. Triple S tier cats. <laughs> Fuck. All right, that's it. That's pod. Yeah. It uh, is. Why is this a thing? <clears throat> Excuse me. We talked about last Christmas. The Amelia Clark movie based on the George Michael song. Fantastic podcast, by the way. What? Yeah. Not a great movie, but a great pod. <laughs> really, really worthwhile pod. If you want to, if you, if you want, you want the best part of your day to happen, listen to that podcast. Yeah. If you're in a bad mood, uh, you know what? Flip it on. I think Nick's, uh, optimism is infectious <laughs> it's very true if you just want to yeah. stomp out cynicism just listen to that podcast if you could be optimistic about last christmas you could do anything yeah um i did a culture this week about the golden globe nominations i talked for like 45 minutes about the golden globe nominations so if that's what you're into listen to it if you're not into it i understand as well uh and you know lots more to come of course on the website too many thoughts media.com or tmt.media adam hall Nicker Di Gregorio. Until next time. Oh, I don't have anything. You say you philistine. Fil- uh, sure, you take it. <laughs> <laughs>